0: Freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again I de- declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers, are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, rather serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbour as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. provoking and envying each other.
1: Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm going to have to make sure that I remain in the zone here and not wander around while I'm talking. If I knock the mic when I'm talking with my hands, you'll have to forgive me. Um, This isn't my usual gig, but I thank you all for rocking up and not seeing that I was on the bill and giving Sunday a miss. It shows your firm commitment to starting 2021 right. Um, And I thank Chris in his absence, for extending the invitation to uh, come. He did have someone better on for today, but they couldn't make it, so here I am. No, I I was supposed to be next week, and and so if it's a little rough around the edges, then, again, I'm pulling that excuse card as well. Um, It's been a real privilege, though, for the last couple of weeks to um, reflect on Galatians 5. Chris gave me the uh, awful uh, task of whatever you like, just... I don't mind, you go for it, which is an awful thing to say to someone if you've ever had to prepare um, a message or a sermon because you've got the whole Bible and just pick something and take it somewhere. It's a lot easier to have some constraints. But uh, I picked Galatians 5 after some reflection of various options because I love the book of Galatians, and I love this chapter in particular, and I couldn't even narrow it down to a particular section to give you to make this a little bit more palatable. In fact, I'm going to give you the Molly Meldrum, uh, do yourself a favour, and if uh, we just managed to get through one chapter right then, beautifully read by Barbara, then you could get through the whole six no worries in like half an hour if you're a slow reader, and pick the message version if you're worried it gets a little bit. Um, technical and uh, you need to read the whole thing and I'm going to try and do the best I can to get you the um, like the um, what are those like cheat things you get for high schoolers, what are they called? Sorry? The cliff, yeah clip crib sheet, yeah. So I'm going to try and give you like the little highlights for the people who can't be bothered to, to watch the whole movie but Do yourself a favour and and go back and read all six chapters of Galatians. Um, So before we start, let's pray and then we'll dive right in. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you that we have your word that is endured through all history, that your word is embodied in the very person of Jesus Christ who is in every way Uh, one with you, the Father. Lord God, we give thanks for the Spirit, that by the Spirit and through the Son, Jesus Christ, we can have relationship with you. And so, Lord, nourish us with your word. Feed us from the words you have allowed to filter through history to us now and uh, help help us to put them to good use. Amen. All right, so just quickly, um, if you've ever done the fruits of the Spirit as a leader of like a kids' church program. I want you to right now put that whole notion away. In fact, the reason why Galatians 5 is so powerful to me is because I always found the fruits of the Spirit not particularly interesting, right? Like if you do the whole snapshot thing where we go through Galatians 5 bit by bit by bit and then we spend you know a whole week talking about what is love and what is peace and what is joy, particularly as not a particularly old and a male person sitting around meditating on each and every one of those virtues is nice, but it's not necessarily all that applicable And I think that comes from a period of time when uh, I've grown up in churches and, you know, they pull out the cool-looking fruit that, you know, the sort of thing my wife loves to cut out and and stick and do nifty crafts with. And my kids love to craft, but I think that's a distraction of missing the point of what it's all about. But it's all very nice and neat and sanitary. And I want us to get kind of rough and ready with it if you're okay to to come along for that. Because Galatians is actually where we... potentially have an insight that it's the first epistle that um, Paul has written. or It's the the first of the the earliest of the epistles of Paul that we actually have. Epistles meaning letters um, and uh, it's a letter to the churches of Galatia, so a particular region uh, of Asia Minor now in Turkey. Uh, And so it's It's short, it's a snapshot, it reflects um, perhaps some really razor sharp insights on Paul's uh, theology and the way that he sees that early Christian. Uh, life should become formed and move into maturity. Now, if you want to consider, some theologians suggest that Galatians is like the um, the short, punchy version of Romans, and Romans is so long that most of the time when we do sermon series, we only get to like Romans 12, and then we give up and never come back to the back end. By the way, which is possibly the best part. Um, So Galatians is a pretty uh, important book for us to read when we consider that context. It's got a whole lot jammed in there. And Paul is writing, we have to remind ourselves to a particular place and time in history. And so we're going to try and unpack that a little. I just want to hit pause on that for a sec. Let's go to the next slide. So who likes peanut butter? Does anyone love peanut butter? I'm going to say love because I really could I don't care too much about it. There's plenty of people that like peanut butter. There's people who want the real deal, you know, with the salt and the sugar and everything, and then there's the people who don't really care that much for peanut butter, so they give the flavourless stuff to their kids. Um, I love peanut butter because it's the easiest thing to make on a sandwich for kids because you can literally just like production line that stuff out the door. But I tell you what I don't like about peanut butter, I don't like that we've got this easy thing we can give kids for lunch and you can't. Like, you pretty much got to lock the door and make sure it's just your kids and no one else can get it because there's going to be someone out there who's going to end up choking up and potentially dying from getting a whiff of that oily goodness that you um, spread on whatever kind of bread or carbohydrate you particularly choose. Um, when I, uh, one of my first jobs was as a swimming instructor, and the first time I encountered um, this issue that certain people have with peanut butter uh, was as a swimming instructor and I had a parent come up to me who is very, one of those very assertive parent types but you know you can expect if your kids got an allergy that's the way they're going to be so power to you if you're one of those people. And uh, she said to me leaning over the wall of, of the um, pool like she was way too close for comfort saying like whatever you do you cannot have nuts on a day that you work here and have my child in your class. Because if you have, like, the faintest bit of nut on your breath, that oil is going to get to her and she's just going to puff up like... Which was that character from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that turns into the... Violet, yeah? Um, You know, puff up like her and she's just going to choke out and it's going to be the end of her. So I was just freaked out as a 15-year-old going, I do not want to risk any um, child's demise. And, and so that was my first encounter with the almost illicit substance that is peanuts. And uh, as I was reading through this, uh, uh, the scholar and theologian Tom Wright has this great story that he tells of uh, he's going on a, a plane trip with his wife to go and speak at a conference and he's sitting just across the way from this guy and the, the plane's just about to you know lock down and get ready to go if anyone remembers what it's like to catch a plane. And um, he whips out this peanut butter sandwich, right? Very organised guy, obviously, if you're you know, that ready to, to go as soon as you clip up and, and sit down on the plane. And he pulls out the peanut butter sandwich and he's sitting next to a child and her mother. And the mother says, oh my goodness, sir, can you please put that away? My child has an anaphylactic uh, re- reaction to, to peanuts. And and he says that the whole plane could smell the waft of peanuts starting to filter through the cabin. And the mother is getting increasingly agitated because this guy is going, no, it's my sandwich. I can eat my sandwich. This is my sandwich. I plan to eat it right now so I don't have to buy any of the airplane food. This is what I'm eating and the flight stewardess comes over and says to the man, oh, can, sir, can you put it away? It's a, this is a medical thing. You really need to, to put this away. And he goes, no, it's my right. I can eat the sandwich. I'm going to eat the sandwich. None of you can stop me. And to the point where they couldn't get past this impasse with the man with the, his, you know, devotion to his peanut butter sandwich that the woman and her child get up and get off the plane missing any potential connection they might have further on, um, simply because the guy wouldn't put away his peanut butter sandwich. The plane takes off and the guy just sits there enjoying every little morsel as everyone anywhere in that plane can smell the peanut butter. Now, the problem that we have here is we've got someone with freedom who doesn't understand how to control it. And that's exactly what Paul's talking about in the first section and for the whole gist of what's the climax of Galatians 5. You've got freedom here as a Christian and you need to learn how to wield it. You need to know what it means that you're free from. You need to know what it is that you're free to do. And we need to learn how to live in a kind of new paradigm where it's not just about making sure we don't do the wrong thing Can I grab the next slide? More recently, some of us will know what this is like watching on with the, sorry to anyone named Karen, but the Karen from Bunnings character that has pervaded Australian culture. We've got people who demand that it's their right to show their face no matter where they go and what they do. Um, You're going to see my face and all of my teeth and whatever I've had for lunch if I smile at you. Uh, And that's my right to do it, whether or not it is the responsible Thing uh, It's kind of, I wasn't sure whether to keep this illustration in after now, if you live in Sydney, it turns out you do now have to wear a mask, just heads up anyone that's going there. Um, but uh, we, we have this issue even within our own culture of uh, what do we do with freedoms and uh, we have this funny hang up on rules. So I, I want you to think for yourself, what does freedom actually mean for you? Does anyone have anything you want to shout out? Chris isn't here, so we, can, we don't have to do the usual convention. What does freedom mean to any of you? You, you don't have to compromise. You can speak out. You, you don't have to do what people necessarily tell you to do. Yeah? That's the teenage version of freedom, isn't it? Right? Like, I'm not that old that I can remember what that felt like. Like, I'm just going to do it because I can. Um, And some of us will even find that now as restrictions of ease with certain things, you find yourself doing some things just because you can, because someone told you that you couldn't. All of a sudden, now you notice, I kind of like doing that, or I didn't much like it, but I like the fact that I can do it now, because someone's telling me that I can. And in Paul's day, freedom is is vastly different, right? Um, freedom in the society of ancient Rome uh, wasn't particularly extensive. The freedom was basically you can do what you like so long as you don't uh, offend um, the emperor, but at any given time, they can take any of those freedoms away and it didn't really matter. Um there's this uh, concept in ancient history called the peace of Rome, much like the freedom of Rome. That is, uh, Rome, whenever it expanded its boundaries, would go into a new territory, wipe anyone out that showed any resistance, and then go, look at that, peace of Rome, right? No, no one's got a problem. We're here, we're good. Right, cool, peace, freedom, whatever you like. Just you know, do whatever we say, whenever we say, however we say to do it. That means if you're a Christian, they might decide, well, now you can't work or do anything to derive an income. That might mean you could support your family if you're, uh, you know, the complex social structures of ancient Rome. Well, that might mean that you can't go to the market and you can't do um, certain things that all of a sudden drop your status. And and the Roman society's got a lot to say about uh, status and, and how important it is to look a certain way and do a certain thing. And and Paul has plenty to say about that. And then, you know, are we really free in that much a different way um, here and now? And and what are we free to actually do? Can we go to the next slide? So anyone seen Braveheart? Yeah? Yeah? I'm showing my age maybe a little bit. Um, So next slide please I want us to think about these two questions um, what does freedom look like in the kingdom of God and uh, the the kingdom of God being uh, that counterculture that you're now a part of in case you didn't uh, get the memo when you become a a Christian, when you say Jesus is my King, you now belong to a kingdom that's actually vastly different from the society and culture that we live in. Um, hopefully, outside of these walls here, uh, if we consider that this is our little embassy to to the kingdom of God, right here and now, um, it's a kingdom of the now and not yet. And uh, you know, we we live as though Jesus is king and he's present with us through his spirit uh, even though the full works of that kingdom haven't yet been uh, realized a little bit like a you know we're living in a war-torn country where a little pocket of it has been claimed for the the new forces the new regime coming in but there's still you know the guerrilla fighting around the outside and then Secondly, how do we cultivate this life in the now and not yet? What does it mean? to? What does it really look like? Um, the, one of the reasons why I don't want to take just snippets out of Galatians is because Paul's trying to get away from a rules-based order. That's a, a, uh, if anyone follows foreign politics, that's a, a phrase that's getting banded around as we have issues with China. Um, we, we want to have a rules-based order, so basically everyone's playing by the same rules. And, and Paul is calling us into a kingdom where it's not about the things that we can't do, and it's all about living up to doing the things that Christ has given us the freedom to do. Uh, and that, that might sound simple, but it's kind of a hard thing to flesh out when you spend uh, most of your time figuring out you know, how we drive on the road depends on, okay, well, I can only go 60 here, so I'm going 60, right? And some of you are going, well, I can go 10% over because a cop isn't going to pull me over, so I'm going to do 66, right? I know who you are because I'm one of those people. Um, so let's jump into what the text actually looks like. Can anyone read that? If you can't, I put it up there. I wasn't sure how it would look in that font if you've got your Bible, Read from that. This is in the New Living Translation, by the way. So let's read. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Now, pause. Circumcision is one of these outward signs of being a, a Jew that make you different from everyone else. In fact, it's probably the thing as a Jew, if you if they had schools like we do now with all different faiths and cultures all together, it'd be the thing that you'd probably get teased about by all the, the other boys in you know year four or five when you make these sorts of jokes. Um, it's, it's something that shows that they're a special people set aside. And Paul is here saying, we're moving on from that because there's something more special that's now truer about you than any marks of you physically outside. And he feels pretty passionate because he probably goes on one of the most blunt discourses about it going forward here. If you're trying to find favour with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. So Paul's saying it's one or the other. It's make sure you do everything right, or it's look forward to being the kind of person that Christ wants you to be. For when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. You are running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings." God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. So... Paul, uh, at this point in time, we assume, because we're assuming that Galatians is an early letter, there are people that, are, if you've read Acts, you'll know where this story is diving in at. Paul has a bit of an altercation with uh, different people in the early church who are saying that you need to become a Jew first in order to become a Christian and to the point where peter gets caught up in doing this awkward thing where he's eating with gentiles and eating unclean foods and doing you know anything that he, he likes cuz he realizes you know what freedom in christ means to win Gentiles. He's going to be a Gentile, but then when he's with the Jews, he's sort of joining in with all the repartee about how bad the Gentile stuff is, and oh no, like we won't do that. And Paul confronts him, and they go to the the council in Jerusalem, and they have a uh, discussion, a good disagreement heartily together about what does it mean to be a Christian. And they settle on the fact that Christians don't need to become Jews first in order to become Christians. And, and this is what Paul is trying to uh, speak fervently against. Have you ever thought, though, that there are some cultural customs that sometimes grind, grind and grate at what it is really like to be a, a, a Christian that kind of come with your cultural baggage that you might have. It's pretty hard as a a white Anglo-Saxon or anyone uh, that's sort of lived in Australia for long enough because we kind of have this idea that we have like a prevailing Christian kind of culture. And in fact, we've got these conflicts going on in broader society about holding on to some of those things in in, uh, the mainstream, if you like. But... Paul is saying, you need to look after uh, our own body as one unit and whatever they're doing on the outside, it doesn't matter. Paul gets thrown in jail for, for being a Christian. He gets beaten and whipped. He gets chased out of synagogues. He has people conspiring in the back end uh, trying to frame him for doing things that are wrong so they can lock him up again and beat him. He gets dragged off to, to Rome to face you know ultimate judgment for being uh, treasonous, for trying to declare that there's another king other than Caesar. All the sorts of things that uh, Jesus was accused of and crucified for. Uh, what are those things in our culture that we still hang on to that potentially don't? Um, match up with our Christian faith in in that the commandment that Paul's going to outline as being most important, the one where we love one another uh, as Christ has loved us. He says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. There it is. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Paul is trying to stop them from uh, setting a a shaky, rocky foundation for the early church, but to give us a strong foundation. He's going to tell us what we should build on it in just a moment. But... uh, I really think that there are some things we could swap in for, for circumcision uh, that potentially aren't as neat and, and well defined as a particular religious practice. But you know, where are the things that uh, stop us from loving our neighbour? Where are the, the things that stop us from considering even who our neighbour is that we should love them? And I think that they're the things we really need to look in on ourselves at. In 2021, if you were going to make a New Year's resolution, it shouldn't be giving up certain things, you know, certain vices that, you know, linger around, like I need to tidy up my language when I'm not at church or I need to make sure that I'm reading my Bible because that seems like the good thing to do. It's about rather setting our intentions towards love and loving one another and loving God. And so... This is what Paul says we should build on that firm foundation. He says, Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. The important thing about that section though is we tend to get hung up on in our current society on the really salacious ones, don't we? Right? Like if I'm a certain prominent, now not so prominent sporting person, what I'm putting out on Twitter is just the juicy bits, right? But in reality, if we were true to what Paul's saying, just as much as we might be putting away the things that are overtly looking like they're not particularly Christian Uh, behaviors what are we doing with our outbursts of anger what are we doing with our selfish ambition I'm very grateful for this church in not seeing that this is cultivated here but I've been in plenty of other churches where this one division is cultivated in the presence of people that say they believe in Jesus Christ Um, I don't think that there are too many wild parties going on in, in the background, especially not now, because you can't... Well, here we can. I've been in Sydney for a couple of weeks, I do confess, and we had to figure out who many, how many people could be in one place, and if you've got kids, do they count on this day or not that day? But um, not those sorts of parties, but the sorts of parties that uh, we kind of disregard uh, the ethics that we hold as Christians what if we were having you know a perfectly civil uh, morning tea together but we were gossiping and, and fueling envy and uh, you know shaming people and driving uh, people into feelings of alienation these are the kinds of things that perhaps we need to consider as just as important as the salacious ones here in this text. And what's important for us to take it in the whole context is all of the, this is not an exhaustive list of sin, right? Like, surely I'm not going to do it, right? But I'm sure we could all hands up, call out different sins that aren't listed there, right? Like, if if you go through Leviticus, there's a very exhaustive list of things you can't do, right, to the point where you, as you read it, you go, oh, my goodness, like, would anyone really do that? Does that need a justification? Um, but what these uh, set of descriptors talk about is the kinds of behavior that will be pagan behavior so here paul is talking to the the new gentile christians who might come from a pagan culture so he's saying at the same time as i'm calling you to move on from things that are you know holding you back from your jewish cultural baggage i'm telling you to not just ditch one and all of a sudden go to the pagan stuff as well um and and this that's why this isn't just about a list of do's and don'ts this is more pointedly, about a whole bunch of characteristics that you can test yourself by so that you consider is the Spirit of God actually yielding fruit in my life? And we probably don't have the uh, benefit of knowing what life was like before the Holy Spirit in our existence, except for those that uh, perhaps. Uh, can remember what it was like not to be a Christian. I'm sure there are more people than me, but um, I find it hard to remember a time when I wasn't a Christian. Uh, that's just my uh, a blessing, I guess, of, of the story of my life. But if you read through the Bible, the the advent of the Spirit of the Lord are some really insane and powerful things that go on you you know if we look at judges when the spirit of the lord comes on someone they're tearing down buildings and they're doing mighty things that's the same spirit that is here in each and every one of us so if you're thinking like oh yeah but you know i still i still do that stuff that i know i'm not all that proud of and you know like i'm a sinner saved by grace and one day i'm going to get there no paul is saying actually that's uh, back in verse 17, he says that you, in your new nature that's developing, that uh, you do have good intentions, and the Spirit is there to help you carry out your good intentions because sin in our lives that we're trying to uh, pull those weeds out it, whilst we're still grappling with it the new heart has come the the new life is here for you to take up and you have good intentions um, the if we look at other advents of the holy spirit it does, we don't have to go too far back in our kind of period in the liturgical calendar we've just celebrated christmas and if you remember, when Jesus is brought to the temple, um, the the joy that uh, comes about in that old fella, when he finally sees Jesus presented to the temple, um, he turns into one of... Has anyone ever experienced, if you've had a young, young kid, a, a stranger be really emphatic about your child? And it's kind of, as a parent, you go, and that's a bit... It's a bit odd, like they take the child from you or they want to, you know, like cuddle it just because they love kids or your baby's particularly cute. Ours were, so they were often quite generous with our children's cuddles, so that didn't freak us out too much. But the Spirit of the Lord comes on this guy and he starts spouting praise for God because he sees even in Jesus this baby that's... the fulfillment of everything that all of time has been waiting for has finally arrived and that's now with us and that's why I think the flannel board things of um, little corns and bananas and grapes and whatever is just too dry and sterile or cutesy for this whole thing because this is an era where the culmination of all human history is being realized and it's being realized in each and every one of us individually and corporately. The, the virtues that uh, Paul's espousing, they're not just virtues, they're things that we should do and actively live out. He said that we're also exchanging, I'm going to be the first person in 2021 to say it, we're ex- exchanging the quid pro quo right that word was pretty popular at the beginning of last year for various reasons it's no longer about just doing certain things to get certain things in return it's about cultivating the spirit of the life of the spirit that is in within within us so paul says but the holy spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control there is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have now the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. It's pretty plain and simple, right? I found myself um, some years ago when this, I was reading this in a really hit home. I was actually uh, doing some study at uh, Malling, and I found myself on a pre-North Connects Pennant Hills Road. Those of you who travel to Sydney often will know or remember what that was like. Um, and I get pretty cross in traffic when certain norms are not obeyed. But then it occurred to me, peace, patience, gentleness, joy, self-control... It's pretty hard to have road rage when you're meditating on those things and cultivating those things in your life, and so you let things go, and they don't matter as much anymore. When we hold these things um, truest in our lives as the things that we're striving for, not things that we're being punitively um, kind of threatened to do or else there will be uh, punishment yeah, you know, that's the life of the freedom of the spirit that Paul is talking about. So, to wrap things up, can we go to the next slide? I want us to quickly talk about um, two two things that you could take away and uh, have a have a think about, apart from your homework of reading all of Galatians, right? Um, there's two things that I think that we need to consider. From this, and that is the first thing is we want to cultivate the spirit, right? Just in the same way as a gardener tends to a garden, uh, we want to tend to our own lives to try and nourish them. It's not just about um, spraying the weed and feed on the lawn once a year, like I do, just to make sure that the kids can go outside without shoes on. It's, you know, if we're really going to grow fruit in our lives, then we have to cultivate it. Um, I don't see my mate Nick here, but um, Nick is a gardener, and I know there are other gardeners here of great prowess, and every time I go into his garden, um, it amazes me. Um, But it takes a lot of time and effort, and you have to know what you're doing. So if we're going to put in the time and effort and know what we're doing, the The thing that I would suggest that we need to hold true to is, next slide, we need to abide. We need to go back to what Jesus said, because funnily enough, he uses the same kind of illustration in John 15. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I uh, heard this next Um, quote not that long ago and I found it really powerful from the theologian F.D. Bruner he says come into union with the word who made you and you will come to life you came from him please come back to him you were made for him the result of this union will be more than human existence it will be human life we need to stop treating uh, life in the spirit like a hotel that we go and stay in sometimes we need to make it Our home. Lastly, um, we need to uh, make sure that we keep the weeds out. Can we go? There we go. That's kind of what my backyard looks like at the moment. Um, We need to be watching for what what are the what are the weeds, right? So we got the fruits of the spirit. Well, I want to suggest perhaps there are some weeds. Those of you that are cynical. Those of you that have uh, a, that are quick to anger, perhaps over things that probably don't matter in the scheme of eternity, where are the things that were spiteful? Where do we brood? Right, like you might be a, a good Christian with your anger, you don't do anything with it, but you sit at home brooding about it. Where's our entitlement, the things that we feel that we're owed either by uh, other people or by society? You know, the only thing that we are owed is nothing and grace gives us everything that we need. And where's our grasping? How do we deal with grasping the things that we do just to make sure that we get a little bit more or just enough and, you know, stuff everyone else? I'm just going to take that little bit because I deserve it. Um... We have to consider that living in the kingdom of God has this upside-down um, ethos where we put other people before ourselves because we love our neighbours. And C.S. Lewis put it like this. Um, in the Reflections on Psalms, he says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It. Is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it's expressed. It is frustrating to have discovered a new author and not to be able to tell anyone how good he is or she is to come suddenly at the turn of the road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and not have Instagram to be able to show it. No, that's not what it says. And then have to keep it silent because the people with you care for it no more than for a tin can in the ditch. To hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. The Scotch Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But we shall then know that these things are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. So brothers and sisters, if you've been able to follow along in my meandering, I'm hoping that um, God gives you something to dwell on from Galatians that you can take and that you can feed the garden that is your your spiritual life and revel in true freedom, what that freedom really looks like for the Christian. Because As Carol prayed so beautifully, you know, at the moment we're kind of squinting in the dark and so we need to continue to uh, remind ourselves that the things we can see clearly are not necessarily uh, the truest things about ourselves or about life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you that you give us life and that you call us into unity and oneness with you just as the son Jesus is one with you father lord by the spirit make us one together and one with you lord lead us now as we leave and go about our week and our year and we commit our lives and ourselves and our acts and our thoughts and every deep yearning of our heart to you that it might be for your glory and for our uh, uh, the fulfillment of your promise in our lives. Amen well.